The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. All right. You've brought a snake. Yeah. Oh, God, he's brought a venomous plus one. Whoa, snake. Massive. What's it called? Don't know, fucking rental snake, innit? It, it is safe, isn't it, Hans? Yeah, it should be. Red next to black. Jump the fuck back, red and yellow, cuddly fella. But red is next to black. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. He's been milked, I should think. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Elt Dude Brothers podcast, episode 42, The Party. My name is Sean, and if podcasting was an Olympic sport, Laura, we would win the gold for sure. And my name's Laura, and don't be silly, Sean. Podcasting's never going to be an Olympic sport because the Chinese will never allow it. Goddamn Chinese. Wait. <laughs> damn Chinese. Yes, damn Chinese. I mean, I'm sure the Chinese are nice, and if we have Chinese listeners, I wasn't meaning to, like, crush uh, <laughs> your entire country. That would be an interesting cultural crossover, I would say, if we do have any Chinese <laughs> listeners. <laughs> if we have any Chinese listeners, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Well, Laura, oh, I'm doing great. I'm glad to hear that you have recovered from the brink of death. Yes. I mean, I'll talk about this a bit more later, but this is an apt episode to be doing with Gerard in because I'm starting to feel that I'm one illness away from being Gerard I have to say yeah you're gonna have a tube up your nose monitoring your stomach acid levels it's only, it's only a matter of time <laughs> well um it's been it feels like two weeks but or it's been two weeks but it feels like a year um yes it's it definitely does uh I so for anyone that didn't see I wrote on Twitter I had pneumonia and I had a I had a temperature of 40 degrees at, at several points. And honestly, that week with my temperature being 40 degrees, it felt like three years. I feel like I've been to hell. Like it, it feels like a war that I've been involved in. Yeah. And just for any of our American listeners that don't understand the metric system, 40 degrees Celsius is 104 Fahrenheit. So that is a hell of a temperature. This is fucking high temperature. I was, I was hallucinating all sorts of things, including at one point that my husband was trying to hang wet washing on me so i was in bed like with this temperature and i was saying out loud don't hang the washing on me don't hang the washing on me and there was nobody in the room but in my hallucination he was using my limbs to hang the the wet washing on this was a thing but maybe if the wet washing was cold maybe it would help bring the temperature down maybe that would have helped keep the fever down yeah you're right maybe that's my subconscious was screaming out for that yeah, why wasn't Phil hanging the wet washing on you? <laughs> yeah, actually, we should blame him for not doing it. I know, it. Phil. I'm shaking my, <laughs> I'm you... shaking my hand here. <laughs> fist. Did you have a nice Easter? Yes, I did. I had a wonderful Easter. I went up to Wisconsin, stayed at this baller lake house, um, saw my family from England that I haven't seen in years. They got me the... I tell you what, this crack is really Moorish picture from Pedge's houseboat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope it's got pride of place somewhere in your house. It now. is sitting on top of my computer right now, staring at me. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really fun seeing all my family. It's really weird when you haven't, you know, like, most of my family I haven't seen in six years since my wedding. But there's a couple mm -hmm. people I haven't seen that didn't make the wedding. So there's people I haven't seen in like nine years. And mm. it was very emotional. Um, got to talk to um not that i want to make this like podcast super emotional but i had a lot of um 
closure with my cousin's death. And so that was like very unintended, but very like cathartic at the same time. So that was nice. I'm so I'm so English right now. I'm feeling so uncomfortable with this conversation. Oh, sorry. Maybe I'll just edit it out. <laughs> no, no, I'm really joking. I was going to say, till you mentioned your cousin's death, I was going to say, look, got a family in America I've not seen for 15 years, but I mean, I'm English. I'm not going to go on about it, all right? But <laughs> you just made this super emotional, yeah? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what the really fun part was... Um, the final four. So I don't know if you remember two weeks ago when I was, we were talking, I was talking to you about college basketball. Uh, oh God. Yeah, I do. Even though that does seem like a long time. Yeah. Yeah. KU, KU, Kansas university made it down to the final four teams. And so after the big like cousins party, we went to this brewery and we watched the KU basketball game. And, um, you know, so it was like all my British family, a lot of my Wisconsin family and, me my sister and her husband were the only like three real KU fans but they everybody else humored us but it was great we had a really good time but KU just got absolutely fucking smoked by Villanova so the game wasn't really all that I'm good I'm sorry to hear that the the team they got beaten by doesn't even sound like a real team who were they beaten by Villanova I have no idea where they're from no no they they don't sound real I'm sorry for KU I would prefer they win because they sound real <laughs> um I <laughs> I will have to send you and your family like Jayhawk, uh, Jayhawk stuff. So next year during the college tournament, <laughs> you guys can just rock all your Jayhawk wear. Also, yeah, that will, that will really fit in in Rockford with that. Yes. Also, you have an official invitation to the Fourth of July party. Yes, you said that's. Um, I, I just can't think of anything more weird than English people going to a Fourth of July party, but I'll bear it in mind definitely. Uh, yeah, and you'll be able to report back to me on how awesome it is because I don't know because I've never been. <laughs> yeah, I do hear it's an awesome party. So. Yeah, I've I feel like I've been talking to you about it for like a year now. <laughs> yeah, you have pretty Literally, much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, going into this episode, what were your thoughts before you watched it? Were you uh, were you enthusiastic to watch this episode of Big? Yes, I was super enthused to watch this episode. This is what I consider like a very top tier episode um, on a more close rewatch it. I don't think it necessarily held up to the, like the top tier rating that I had for it, but it's still an episode I love. Mm. Yes. I remember it being funny. I didn't remember many details of it. I watched this episode and then the one after it together because I was doing something else and I actually laugh more at, that's boot than I did at this, which I didn't expect. So that's interesting in itself. Yeah. I don't remember much about Das Boot other than, well, let's not get into Das Boot yet because we'll no, talk about it next but, week. But this is certainly an amusing episode that I was glad to revisit. Oh, man. I, like I said, I think this episode is really funny. There's a lot of little stuff that happens. Um, the interesting thing to me about this episode is how Dobby is such a key player in this episode, but then she's literally only in it for like three minutes. Yeah, she's not in it very much, is she? And something I wanted to bring up as well was, as I was watching it, it suddenly occurred to me that this was, must have been a really cheap episode to make. Do you think that this was maybe, this episode had to be written because they'd run out of budget? Because really it just all takes place in the flat? I hadn't thought about that, but it's interesting that you say that because... I remember a couple episodes ago, I don't remember which one we were talking about. I was like, man, like so much of this episode happens at Apollo House. It's like crazy. But literally this entire episode happens at Apollo House. Yeah, there's only one scene at the beginning that doesn't happen in the flat. So 
it suddenly occurred to me I'd be interested to know if this was someone said you know you've run out of money you need to make this for a tenner what can you do for a tenner <laughs> yeah I'm sure all the extras and everything were just people that were happy to be in peep show <laughs> yeah exactly people that were just working there anyway yeah oh my god I wonder how many of the people in the party are casting crew yeah they probably are some aren't there to bulk out the numbers yeah um, well, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. Let's go ahead and start with the one non-Apollo house scene in this entire episode. Um, oh, and I should, I also do want to point out, this episode aired in October of 2009. And that will kind of come up later, because there's some stuff I want to talk to you about later from this time okay. era. All right. Okay. So, Mark walks into Dobby's office. Dobby apparently has gotten a new job in between this episode and the last one. Yeah, she says she's temping, doesn't she? So I'm guessing that she's doing, like, week by week different jobs at the moment. But it sounded like her job with the history walking company was permanent. That's true. Maybe she's sort of, maybe she's gone freelance and she's doing bits and pieces. Yeah, maybe she got fired because Jeremy was watching porn on the goddamn laptop. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, The office that Mark walks into to see Dobby is you've described it as nightmarish, I believe, or shudder. It is a a new age office that has got like an open plan. It's all bright colours. There's big like Perspex coloured chairs and all the Macs are coloured as well. Oh, it looks like a nightmare. I never want to... I'm sure that people that work in these offices are probably like, oh man, this is the greatest thing ever. But uh, I just think these open offices like this just look horrible. I've only ever worked in an office one time in my life properly and that was an open office it wasn't colorful like this because it wasn't like the girlhood dream of new media but it was an open plan office and it was horrible you couldn't you couldn't blow your nose without your boss being over your shoulder it was unpleasant yeah that's exactly my concern too where it's like oh hey i'm gonna go go up and use the bathroom or whatever and then you've got eight people timing you to see how long you're in the bathroom for yeah, exactly. But that's very much Dobby's life at this point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Dobby is like kind of surprised to see him and Mark is like, oh, you know, I just happened to be in the area and I just wanted to drop in. And he thinks to himself, two buses here, three buses home, five convenient buses. So Mark <laughs> is kind of borderline stalking Dobby here. Yes. Um, he invites, he says that he's noticed there's a cine world on the high street and he has got credits left on his mega pass, so he invites her to come with him to watch a movie. Yeah, and Dobby says, you know, hey, I've already got plans for the night, but I would love to catch up with you soon because I'd hate to stop being friends with you. <laughs> yeah, and um, Mark seems upset at the like the use of the word friends, and do you think that's because he still believes they've got some sort of romantic involvement at this point that she clearly has completely given up on okay so i was trying to think and i probably should have gone back and watched affair at this point what was the status of mark and dobby's relationship they're not in one are they at this so so at the end of at the end of the previous episode is when it all goes horribly wrong for them and then I can't remember yeah. what does happen at the end of Affair, because it's... It's where uh, Jeremy takes the wink bullet for Mark. Yeah, so no, they're just friends, aren't they? So it all, yeah, so it all went horribly wrong at the end of the previous episode with the, when she says, you really, really fucked it. 
And then obviously there's the, like, the history books, which insinuates that they're pals, but nothing more. But nothing romantic happens between them in that episode. I don't think... Yeah. I don't think Dobby thinks anything romantic's happening. Yeah, but Mark is still, you know, pining... For... Holding on to the hope, yeah. yeah. Pining for Dobby, pining for Dobby. Mm. Um, Mark kind of is, you know, is like, oh, friends? And Dobby's like, yeah, we're friends, right? Like, if I was having a party... I'd invite you, and if you were having a party, you'd invite me. Here we get kind of the hook for this episode, where Mark decides to have a party, and he just invites Dobby to come on over. Yeah, so spur of the minute party that he creates, and asks Dobby to come, and she has got no choice but to say yes, because she's just said she would say yes. So she has been, as Mark puts it, uh, caught in a web of her own making. Yeah, tricky dick Mark. Tricky dick Mark. Um, I put in my notes, and you said that you thought the same thing, that Dobby is just awful here in this episode in general but in this scene and the hair clips really really annoyed me she's dressed for some reason she's dressed like a japanese schoolgirl in like a weird little shirt with a preppy collar and she's got these bizarre hair clips that i wouldn't put in my three-year-old in her hair and i was just even more so than dobby's always irritated me but even more so than when i was first watching it i found myself thinking take those fucking clips out of your hair you're 30 years old <laughs> yeah I was wondering, I was trying to think back if that maybe in 2009 this was the fashion. It was not the fashion in 2009. Okay. I don't know. Definitely not. I don't know shit about fashion, so I'm going to take your word for it. Like, I'm not saying, I'm sure if I look back at photos of myself in 2009, I would think, Jesus Christ, what were you wearing? Because that's how fashion works. But I know that these like weird little hair clips were not, were not the fashion then. I'm sure, yeah. It it's especially weird later when she shows up at the party and they're like pink and stuff. Like I, yeah, yeah, didn't really notice them here, but in the party scene, it's way, way, way more obvious. Too much, yeah. Yeah. Um. So next we have we go to Apollo House and where we're... we remain for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. For the next like 19 minutes, we are in Apollo House. Yes. Um. Mark is concerned about the party. Jeremy's really excited to have a party. And um, he kind of says, you know, like, uh, it's kind of good to see you kind of out of your comfort zone a little bit. I thought I thought you were a sweater-wearing, spirit-crushing, no-fly zone with a 10-foot carried-up-his-ass kind of guy. Mark yeah, I really says, enjoy the use of no-fly zone here. Uh, that is exactly how I would describe Mark as a no-fly zone. Yeah. Um, Mark says that this is only a tactical party. And he's only having a party in order to eventually get sex. Jeremy says, it's the only reason people have parties. Yes. Um, and I have to say, I think I probably agree with Jeremy here. Because parties are dreadful. Do we agree on this as across the Atlantic? I don't know if there's a different view over there. But par parties are terrible. I've never hosted a party that I enjoyed. I've barely been to a party that I like. To this kind of party. Um, in my military days, I fucking loved going to parties. Like, there was dorm parties, like every weekend oh yeah okay i'm gonna i'm gonna retract that statement and say when i lived in halls of residence the parties were banging that's it though that's the only time i've ever enjoyed parties it must be something about the weird sort of prison-like residential element of dorms that makes make parties good otherwise <laughs> parties are shit um i don't i don't think nicole and i have ever well i've had a couple of I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess I wouldn't necessarily say parties, but I've had some get-togethers that have been pretty fun. Yeah. Gatherings, yeah. Uh, 
But no, I would never, I would never throw a party like this in, in, to the extent that they throw oh, a party Oh, see, here. I think this would be fun as fuck to throw a party that just ended up being this big and just like this fucking insane. I just don't think I know enough people. And anyway, I'm at a kind of different stage of life now where I'm having to host children's parties, which are <laughs> like 10 times as bad as any of this. Oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't even. Same rules apply, but, but they're shit. <laughs> they're really shit. And someone always cries as well. I mean, often at an adult party, someone always cries, but someone always really cries at a children's party. Oh, I bet. I fucking bet. <laughs> um, Jeremy decides that he wants to invite Elena to this party. He calls and leaves Elena this message on her cell phone that's really like funny slash strange. He says, uh, Hi, Elena. Yeah, Jez here. Just so you know, me and Mark are partying hard this Saturday. I've invited everyone else and then thought of you. Which, I like his subtle jabs he takes at her in this. Um, you know, like, I invited everybody else, then I thought of you. Yeah, he's quite mean, actually, here. Yeah. Um, he says, so there's going to be some cats from the music biz, a few cats from the film and new media. You know, a whole crowd of cool cats and crazy chicks. Chicks with dicks, chicks without dicks, guys with dicks. Maybe see you up here, <laughs> maybe not. Bye-bye, bye, bye-bye, bye. Yeah, and he seems to think that was a successful phone message. He's not... He's not horrified by having left this message, is it? He's he thinks this was good, which led me to make a note of that. For someone who thinks he's so cool, he's so not cool. He's so painfully uncool. Yeah. Oh my god. This. I just like when I just like the whole like chicks with jicks, chicks without dicks part. That just really fucking cracks me up every time. <laughs> just how casually he says it too. Yeah. Um, um. Just as he hangs up the phone, Mark opens a letter, which causes him to forget about the party for a moment and be upset. And Jeremy thinks that he asked if it's the repayments for the creamy elephant. But Jer uh, but Mark says it isn't. It is from Sophie's dad or Sophie's dad's solicitor about child maintenance and visitation, etc. Yeah. And uh, Mark doesn't want to stickle or negotiate. And Jeremy suggests he just sign and recline. That's his legal advice. And Mark wonders if he should take advice from the finest mind of his, <laughs> the finest legal mind of his generation. And while he's thinking this, he's staring at Jeremy, who's, like, kicked back, relaxed on the couch with, like, a finger firmly up his nose. Yes, um, probably best not to take advice from him. I was a bit confused by this, and this I continue to be confused throughout the rest of the episode. Because I don't think that... I've got no experience in this region, but I do not think this is how child visitation is sorted out via the grandfather's solicitor. Um, I mean, I guess if, if uh, Ian's solicitor was representing sophie it'd be fine yeah i guess so but surely they need to go to the family court once the baby was born rather than just have some one horse town solicitor sending out 400 quid letters i don't know I, I like i said i've got no experience in this but this is not how i would have thought it would have worked yeah i don't i don't know either um i would assume <laughs> that maybe they were trying to prevent this from ever going to family court and just wanted to have them amicably agree on something yeah on lockdown yeah maybe maybe it's an attempt by sophie to do the right thing i will tell you one thing i have learned recently don't ever get involved in child custody stuff because it's just a shit show from the top down to the bottom so i can imagine it is like it never seems to be anything but messy from people i know who've been divorced and ended up in situations where they've had to deal with custody it just always seems to be a massive headache yeah um so <laughs> on that downer note um 
we get to the next scene and it is Saturday. Mark is like nervous as hell because the party is only it's only three more hours till the party starts. Why was he waiting so long to start cooking like four lasagnas? I like I don't think you could cook four lasagnas in three hours. No, that's a good point. Actually, he could have made those well in advance, couldn't he? Yeah. Um, Mark is wondering if he should make a chicken lasagna. He's seen it on menus, but only at those pretend pubs at the airport. Um, as he walks into Apollo house, he walks around the corner and he sees Jeremy like down on the floor, like duct taping garbage bags to the floor. <laughs> yeah. And Mark asks what's going on. And Jeremy explains that the rubbish bags are down there to protect the carpet. Mark says it looks like a crack den and I'm, I'm with him. It does. It looks like a crack den or a dungeon. Yeah. And then Jeremy asks Mark why he has so much food. And Mark explains that he's making four different types of lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy then says that no one cares about the food at parties. They just want to get pissed up and go ape. Um, but Mark is unconvinced. He thinks the food is important. Yeah. And I'm agree with Mark here because when I go to parties and the food sucks, I just am like, ugh. God. I don't know. It depends on the party, doesn't it? Like normally standard is a buffet, which, you know, there's different areas of buffet you know the good ones and the bad ones but generally just order some pizzas and chill out i don't think anyone needs to make four lasagnas yeah uh definitely not four lasagnas especially not a fucking tuna fish lasagna no i mean i like tuna and i quite like tuna pasta but that sounds revolting yeah i made a note about that where i was like jesus christ tuna pasta a tuna lasagna sounds like the grossest thing ever yeah would not eat anyways we're getting a little head i'm getting a little head <laughs> sorry um Mark asked Jeremy to start making the salad, but Jeremy is pretty incredulous about this. And he says, oh, did you have a good time at the party? Yeah, well, I got pissed and stoned and this girl talk took her top off and danced on the sofa like in trading places. But there was no baby leaf salad. So overall, big disappointment. And he <laughs> says he can't do the salad because he's setting up puke points. And then he proceeds to give Mark a tour of the puke points around the apartment the toilet is puke point HQ, and there are seven other puke points around the house. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 really thought about these puke points because the flat is not very big, and seven puke points is quite a lot of puke points. Yeah, I like the one that he sets on the coffee table here too. Where he, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just sets a he just sets a trash can on top of the coffee table. Um, Mark says he doesn't, you know, want people getting pissed and going ape. He wants you know edgy banter and tipsy indiscretions jeremy just wants them all laying around in their pants fleeing shit at each other <laughs> that's pretty much jesse's design for life isn't it yep um so then just as they're talking about this mark's mobile begins to ring and he sees that it's sophie and he says oh not again and cancels the call and says he's not having a baby he's having a party i do feel a bit like mark needs to sort his fucking life out at this point because I know that he's not made the conscious decision to have a baby, but by my calculations, he's about 34 here, and he just needs to suck it up. He needs to talk about the baby. Whether he likes it or not, the baby's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Very soon. Very soon, as we see. Mm. So I think it's a bit ridiculous that he's behaving in this way, but nevertheless, he doesn't want to talk to Sophie and cancels the call. Yeah. How did Phil react when he found out you guys were having your first baby? Yeah, he was. He stepped up. He was. He was just considerably younger than Mark is at this point. He was about eight years younger than Mark is at this point, and he did freak. Out. I think it's natural to freak out. And he had like a. He took on a second job doing exam marking, and then he sold his car. 
but which both things didn't really need to happen but you know he he stepped up and he did what he had to do and I, I do understand that it's a different situation because Mark didn't necessarily want to have a moment with Sophie but I think he does need to to grow up now no I agree wholeheartedly with you that Mark needs to deal with this baby situation now yeah Although Phil did famously start stockpiling, which I don't think is necessary. I don't think Mark needs to start stockpiling. Um, but Phil stockpiled to the extent that at one point we had over 70 bottles of shower gel in our loft. <laughs> what did he... Oh, <laughs> so, oh, so he was stockpiling... Like, not stockpiling diapers, but, like, stockpiling... Oh, no, he, did, he, stopped, he stockpiled nappies as well. So he stockpiled... He had a theory, which was that if he bought a packet of nappies every week when we went shopping for the duration of our pregnancy that we'd never have to buy nappies for the whole year I was on maternity leave, which is quite sensible. But then he started to take it further and thought we could do it with all other household things. So we had a loft that was literally, we had hundreds of bottles of washing up liquid. We had we, we had sponges, we had scourers. It was, honestly, I'll have to find a picture and share it on the Twitter. It was out of hand. But he was so proud of it. And when, when, the, when our first baby was born, when he was like, people will come and see the baby... He, you know, they'd sort of coo over the baby and then he'd be like, do you want to see my stockpile? And he'd take people up to the loft to see his stockpile. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that, uh, see, that's good that Phil was thinking about that kind of stuff, you know? He was thinking, and, and in his defence, I never, we never had to buy a nappy for the whole year I was on maternity leave. So it did work, but it was a bit weird. I think it was a stress reaction. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like this next bit here because uh, Mark is making lasagnas in the kitchen sophie texts him again he ignores sophie yet again jeremy comes in in this button-up shirt and he asks mark how many buttons should he have un undone and he said because like one is old school blair on holiday two is the new one so i was thinking maybe three but then i'm doing three maybe four and he just keeps like unbuttoning his shirt farther and farther and it just really cracks me up because i worked with a guy who would always have like the top three to four buttons on his shirt undone and it was just always like oh like button your shirt up a little bit buddy i mean once it's four you might as well just have the whole thing open like that's that's all your buttons open really isn't it yeah um, i am um, this was the peep show quote that launched mine and phil's romance because on the very first day we ever met uh we met at work and we had a colleague who a bit like your colleague was it was so obviously we work in school and you know you have to have your shirt done up. That's not going to fly if you're teaching kids with your shirt not done up. But it was some sort of like open evening and it was, we could be more relaxed. We could dress in a more relaxed manner. And our colleague uh, said, oh, I don't know how many buttons to undo on this shirt to look casual. And me and Phil both said at the same time, Blair on holiday. And that was, <laughs> uh, and that was, that was it. Like our fate was sealed. But um, it's the way that Jez, the way that Jez comes out with Blair on holiday always makes me laugh. Yeah, uh, both their shirts in this episode are fucking incredible. Mm, Marks is particularly. I made a note that Marks is particularly garish. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like plants. It's like plant themed. Yes, the curtains in our bedroom are pretty much Mark's shirt, but I think it looks better <laughs> on a pair of curtains. I'm going to say that. Um, Mark is considering doing a reserve chicken lasagna, but before Jeremy can really give him shit about it, the doorbell rings and Mark gets all excited because he thinks it might be Dobby. As he's walking out of the kitchen, he gives Jeremy a stern warning not to snuffle any of the mozzarella. And I gotta be honest, I'd be snuffling the fuck out of that mozzarella. 
yeah, there's you can't make something with raw mozzarella and not eat at least half of it. You have to buy twice as much to account <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, Mark opens the door, but it is not Dobby. It is Gerard, and he has the tube up his nose. Repeat, the tube is back. <laughs> it's back up his nose. Um, and I've made a note in my notes of that what with the stomach ulcer and now the pneumonia, I'm starting to think that I'm one block sinus away from being Gerard. You should ask your, uh, next time you go see your doctor about the ulcer, you should ask him if you need to put a tube up your nose to monitor stomach acid levels. Yeah, I'd, I'd really, I'd really be on board with the tube up my nose. Is there any way you can make that happen? You should just ask if this is even like, uh, a like thing. what the medical purpose of having a tube up your nose would be. That's a good point because I've got a stomach ulcer and no one's mentioned it. So what's wrong with Gerard that they've got a monitor his stomach acid levels? <laughs> um... Gerard, you know, says, thank you for, uh, you know, he says, oh, you know, am I the first one here? And Mark goes, well, obviously you're the first one here. You know, you're here early. And Gerard's kind of like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. And um, he thanks Mark for inviting him. And he says, you know, I wanted to talk about the whole Dobby situation. And, um, you know, Mark just is kind of pretending to be nice and he says you know not a problem old mate and then um in the most insincere fashion possible as well he manages to make that sound sinister yeah um mark is on fire this episode he's great yeah he's snarky (laughs) yeah he's very snarky um he asked gerard if he wants a drink gerard says no and he points to the tube and he's like stomach acid and um Mark is just like, okay, I'll make you a wiki. So he goes into the kitchen, and as he's walking to the kitchen, he's like, oh, maybe I'll t- tell Dobby that Gerard came too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jer- Jeremy's confused at to- as to why Gerard is there, and Mark says that he to not invite him would have appeared petty and vindictive, and as he is a petty and vindictive individual, he has to take extra care not to appear petty and vindictive, which I think is a line that many of us can identify with yeah this is a great quote um i feel like i've said like 30 lines are the most iconic line in peep show but i think this line is very much up there in terms of being like very iconic it's definitely up there um before they can really have a conversation about it the bell doorbell rings again and Mark goes to answer it, but he tells Jeremy that he needs to get Gerard fucked up before Dobby arrives. <laughs> and Jeremy agrees that chemical castration is the way forward. Um, so um, Superhands arrives. Uh, they, he's the person at the door and he has got a snake with him. Yeah, uh, a fucking rental snake, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, just like this last line is very icon- was very iconic, I think this whole scene is very iconic. Um Mark wants to know, uh, God, I feel bad even talking through this scene because everybody's like probably knows this one, but in the interest of good podcasting, um, Mark asks him, you know, what kind of snake it is. And Hans just says, you know, like, oh, I don't know, fucking rental snake, isn't it? And um, Mark asks him, you know, if it's poisonous and Hans says, oh, of course, you know, red next to black, jump the fuck back, red and yellow, cuddly fella. Um I went and looked up the actual rhyme, just so that we would know. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that what Hans says has been discredited, so could you please sh- shine some light on this? Yes. Red next to black, safe for Jack. 
red next to yellow will kill this fella. Right, so actually, this snake is fine. Yes, yeah. Um, because according to Hans's rhymes, red next to black is dangerous. Mark points out that the red is next to black. But Hans just says, uh, he's been fine. He's fine. He's been milked. I should think. <laughs> I enjoy as well that Hans says that he needs a USP against all these young bucks. And this is how he's going to achieve that is with the snake. Well, it seems to do pretty good for him. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I, I made a note that this scene actually reminded me of someone that I went to university with who I don't think I've ever mentioned before on the podcast. And he was quite literally one of the strangest but most fascinating people I've ever met. I liked him a lot. Um, I think he's moved back up north now. And he was exactly the sort of person who would have said that he had bought a snake to lure pussy. Like that would have been, I can imagine him saying it. I can imagine him turning up at a party doing it. Um, and I don't know how I've never made the connection before, but it's exactly the sort of thing he would have done. So I kind of hope whatever he's doing now, he is still trying to bag girls with weird things like snakes. I hope that's what he's doing. <laughs> um, I love the whole snake subplot throughout this entire episode because you just see it in like these weird random scenes. And what's weird is that I never realized how much super hands is in this episode until i was watching it closely and i was like oh there he is there yeah he's he in is. it a lot in the background isn't he doing things with his snake yeah and i'll tell uh, you something else about this housemate i had as well so he didn't quite get a snake but he got it into his head when we lived together that a way to get women interested would be if he if he and the other men that live with us seemed to like children and be really caring towards children so he befriended this guy on our course who had a kid who was like a single dad and used to invite the guy and the kid around to like play in the garden. And then he'd say to girls who came in like, Oh look, that's Finn. He plays here all the time. I love kids. That was, that's a super hands thing to do, isn't it? That is precisely the sort of thing hands would do. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Mm. I could see hands like adopting like a child and using it as like a pickup tool. As is USP. Yeah. Yeah. The twins, the fucking twins. <laughs> the fucking twins. Exactly. Um, let's see here. Okay, yeah, alright, so next scene, the party has kind of kicked off. Um, I don't, Mark is really upset about the party, but I don't think it looks bad. What did you think? No, it looks fine. When he says the party's a disaster, I think he's really wrong. It looks like it's going quite well to me. Maybe I'm just shit at parties, as we've established, yeah. but this looks like a fine party. There are enough people... People are milling around. Everyone looks like they're having a good time. Yeah. Jeremy just is like, hey, you know, it's only 8.45. Like, calm yourself down a little bit. And But Mark is worried that it's about the food. And Jeremy makes a joke about the lasagna not having enough black pepper. Mark says, you joke, Jeremy, but world word travels. Word <laughs> travels. And he looks very serious while he's saying this. Yes. Um, he's upset because nobody's dancing, so he wants to try some new music. He, We established that what they're listening to, which is some sort of dancey track, is Jez's. And Mark plugs his own iPod in, and uh, Ocean Drive by the Lighthouse family comes on, which we last heard uh, back in episode four of series one when Mark had it on his Discman. Um, did the Lighthouse family make it to Kansas? <laughs> 
you're asking me a music question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not it's not Snow Patrol or the Beatles, but I, I just I can't imagine they did. That was why I was asking. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I I can't ever recall hearing of the Lighthouse Family, even when I was into music. No, I mean all their songs sounded like that one song that we hear in Peep Show. Um, but I can very much imagine that that Mark was a massive fan. Actually, I'm going to look into this. A, are they still going? And B, if they're not, when was okay. their last hit? Because I okay, reckon so it was. Okay, so hold on, hold on. So my wife and I play this this game where we talk about bands and then we guess when the last album they released was. Okay. Do you want to play this game? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to say that Snow... Jesus Christ. Lighthouse <laughs> Family's last album came out in 2010. Oh, you're sort of... You're not right and you're not wrong. So they... <laughs> they... Well, were, if I'm not they, right and I'm not wrong, what am I? <laughs> they were, it says they were active between 1993 and 2003, and their last album that I could, that was like, yeah, their last individual album was released in 2001, but they had a comeback in 2010 where they released a best of and did a tour through 2010 to 2013. So you were on the right lines. So the last album they released was the, the two thousand January, like, yeah, all new music, two thousand and one, but their tour and greatest hits, two thousand and eleven. Huh, man, that's crazy. I really wasn't expecting them to have been that inactive. But see, the thing is, is I'm looking at their discography, and they have, they were around for like total sixteen years. But they only ever released like four songs. What the fuck were they playing at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've not got a very long list of songs at all. And they were all the all the ones that anyone knows were released in like between ninety five and like ninety eight. So they spent a lot of time not doing an awful lot. You know, it's weird because there are some bands where you are like, "Oh, I haven't heard shit about this band in years." Um, but then when my wife and I will be playing this game. We will find out that all you know that there are these bands that have had these like super prolific careers where they're releasing an album like every fucking year and they're touring all the time and you're like, how are these guys releasing albums every year and I haven't heard of them in ten? Some so some tour like so there were bands that my a boyfriend my boyfriend used stuff I burnt in the bin. He was really heavily into a band from the eighties who conti- have continued have had no hits since. Oh, probably before I was born, uh, but they've continued to tour and they've continued to release stuff. And we split up twelve years ago, me and this guy. And occasionally, I've looked on iTunes to see if, like, oh, I wonder if this band have released any new material. And without fail, they release an album every fucking year. I don't know who's buying it or who's listening to it because they're nowhere to be seen. It's it's unbelievable. But like you say, there are some bands that are so prolific that they just keep turning this shit out. Yeah, it's really crazy to me. Um, of course, I can't think of a specific band, but um, man, I can't remember. I think it was like Sugar Ray or something, which was this like kind of rock band that was really popular in the the nineties. Sugar Ray. Did he have a hit called Every Morning? Was that yes. Sugar Ray? Yeah, that was Sugar Ray. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. 
actually our musical knowledge not that bad between us better than mark's yeah no kidding right <laughs> but i don't know who kasabian is so mark is <laughs> well i guess mark doesn't know who kasabian is either so i guess we're no good there. yeah um, exactly <laughs> All right, Jesus Christ, where do we... Oh, okay, yeah. So Jeremy's upset about kind of having the uh, the DJing ability taken over, and he kind of storms off to get a drink. Mark tells him to make sure and get a biggie, a big drink for Gerard, and um, he also tells Jeremy to dance as he walks out. Yeah, do a little going off the dance floor dance. Yep, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Sarah, Mark's sister, appears. And she tells Mark that she is ready to get totally and utterly off my fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark is pleased to hear this. He asked her if she's noted the puke points. And she says she has. But first of all, she wants to talk about the letter from Sophie's dad's solicitor. Or as she calls it, the six-page legal toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I wrote Sophie. What I meant was... Sarah then tells Mark that she called Sophie on Monday and delivered a message along the lines of, you're fucking my brother with a broom handle and my brother doesn't like being fucked with a broom handle. And then all of a sudden Mark realizes why Sophie has been calling him nonstop. Yes, it all suddenly makes sense. Um, but Sarah's in full flight. She says no one screws with the Corrigans anymore. This isn't going to be like mom and dad's dolphin showers fiasco. Do you want to hear more about the dolphin showers fiasco? I really do. I'd love to know what went on with the dolphin showers fiasco. Made all the more interesting because my own parents had a fiasco with a B&Q kitchen, which I reckon was probably about the same level of, you know, hard to sort outness. And boyfriend of the bin burning, he also had a dolphin showers fiasco where they flooded his house. Is dolphin showers like a thing? Yeah, dolphin bathrooms are a company in this, or they used to oh. be. I don't know if they are anymore. Jesus Christ, I was thinking, like, literally, like, a shower for fucking dolphins. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> They're a company that maybe oh still make God. bathrooms. Let's have a look. Dolphin bathrooms. Um, oh, I don't I, think they do anymore. I, like, literally thought that we were talking about, a like, an actual dolphin mammal shower. <laughs> that would be great, but no. Jesus Christ. I knew They I still should've... make them in Australia. I should have just asked you and then pretended to just be like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, sure, yeah. I knew that. <laughs> no, it's funny. It's funnier this way. Yeah, I think it's way funnier this way. <laughs> Boy, but yeah, just... they, they, uh, they flooded my ex-boyfriend's house. B&Q, who are affiliated, fuck my mum and dad's kitchen. I dare say that the Corrigan's house was flooded in some way by dolphin bathrooms. <laughs> um... At this point, Lighthouse Family ends, and then a motivational book comes on, and it just starts saying, um, confidence in business, confidence in love. <laughs> and Mark like just rushes over and unplugs his iPod, and he's, I almost called it iPad. Um, <laughs> he unplugs his iPod, and he's like, oh, it's not mine, it's not mine, it was free with the Sunday Express. Yeah, um, this reminded me of, I don't know if you've ever played the iPod game, the shuffle game where you see what your like top 10 most played are. Um, but I had to stop playing it after I first started going out with Phil and we played it and my like three of my top 10 were Jason Derulo songs. And I was so ashamed that I've never been able to play the game since. <laughs> hey, can't uh, trust shuffle the perils of shuffle. Shit. Mine probably would have been insane clown posse. So you're probably better <laughs> off than I am. 
Um, so poor old Mark is humiliated by the iPod. Yep. Uh, Jeremy comes up and he just says, oh, we got Raj Perswad on the wheels of steel. And I thought that line was pretty funny. Yeah, once that's I looked a good up, line. Especially once I looked up who Raj, and I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but... No, I, I think it, that's right. It was even funnier when I realized who Raj Prasad was. I was like, oh, that's even better. Would you like to explain for our listeners that don't know who he is, who he is? Oh, do you know who he is? Yes. Okay, so Raj Prasad is a, like, a motivational speaker? Yes. Yeah, he sounds he... kind of like Tim Robbins. Uh, yeah, he, he, so he's on, like, I don't think he's on this morning, actually, but he should be. He is a, like, a psychologist who, yeah, like you say, he's a motivational speaker and he does... He cures people's phobias. He, he motivates them in stuff. Yeah. Um, at this point, Sarah looks at Jeremy and she just, you know, they, you know, she just says like, hi, Jez. And Jeremy tries to blow her off. And she just says, you know, to him, uh, Jeremy kind of tries to apologize. And he says, you know, remind me, did I ever call you back after you called me all those times after we had that great night together? And she says, no, you're a real p fucking piece of shit. You know that? <laughs> your toxic waste, and I'm going to make sure everyone here knows it. And then she kind of storms off. Yes. Um, and Jez doesn't even really look that shamefaced. Yeah. And um, mainly because Eleanor shows up, Elena, sorry, shows up at right that moment. Yeah. And Jeremy tells him Mark is obviously smug because he sees the potential for conflict here with Sarah and Elena in the same room. But Jeremy says this is not all of his chickens coming home to roost. And, you know, as we see later, even Big Sue's is there. So it's like all his Ooh, chickens. Oh, that's definitely... true, actually. Yeah, that's a, ooh, yeah, that's horrible. It's like yeah. an egg soup. Yeah. Oh, it's a roostathon. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Elena kind of comes up to Jeremy and she's like, oh, you're the DJ. That's so cool. And he's just like, yeah, I'm spinning some tracks, actually. And she goes, oh, maybe I better leave you alone. And Jeremy just thinks to says to her, like, yeah, maybe you should. And... Jeremy is, you know, really proud of himself, the way he's kind of blowing off uh, Elena. Elena walks over and starts talking to another guy. Jeremy thinks, like, oh, I'd be okay if Elena wants to shag a guy. Maybe I'll shag a guy just to get it even. <laughs> yeah, um, he's really proud of himself, like you say, and he calls it the cool-off. He says he's relaxed like Snoopy on the lewd. Uh, he's really making me cringe today. Jeremy is on fire for cringe. Oh, yeah. Um, I just think it's so funny because... In the pickup artist, um, are you familiar with like pickup artists, uh, like pickup artist um, techniques and stuff like that? Yeah, moderately. Okay, so they have one that's called nagging, which is where like if a really attractive woman walks up to you, and of course I think pickup artists are fucking disgusting, but you know the idea is that like a really attractive woman walks up to you and you know you're like, oh hey, you know. You're you're pretty cute, but like, goddamn, your shoes are ugly. So you like compliment her, but then also criticize her at the same time. Right, gotcha. So I feel like that Jeremy is kind of like trying to nag Elena here. Yes, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what he's doing, and it's a pretty dirty trick, really. Yeah, it's really fucked. Um, now next scene we have. The whole party and the whole party is kicked off and yeah I've, it's peaked yeah and i've been waiting for this scene to ask you this question but you kind of inadvertently answered it a little earlier 
Um, have you ever thrown a party that ended up being a surprise hit? No, I haven't thrown a party that was a surprise hit. I ended up at a party where, funnily enough, Peaches Geldof, God rest her, was, uh, and Mark makes an illusion, or does he even say, does he think it or does he say it? I think he thinks it, that the he's finally one of London's it crowns, and in a minute, Peaches Geldof is going to be there. So I went to a party for a gallery opening where Peaches Geldof was. Um, that was probably the coolest party I ever attended. No, I haven't ever thrown a party that went off. I, no, not at all, actually. I attended a party where I misinterpreted the fancy dress code and went as <laughs> Boris Johnson. And uh, me, so I went as Boris Johnson and my friend Dave went as David Cameron before they were in office when they were just two snooty up and coming politicians, but we looked like <laughs> fools. Um, we styled it out, it was fine, but no, I've, I've never, I've never had a cool party. And the coolest party I ever went to, like I say, involved Peaches Geldof and it wasn't that cool. So have you ever thrown a cool party? So I threw a party one time that was a surprise hit where I had just moved in to this house with two of my friends to kind of set the scene. I was in the military. I was 24. The two guys that I moved in with are special forces. And so like guys that are in the special forces of the military are just like fucking weird guys in general. Right. right. Like they do stuff they they think is normal, but then is not. So Is this like our SAS? Like the Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. Yeah. So it'd be like your SAS. So in two thousand five I threw kind of like a housewarming party and I invited all my friends. They my two roommates invited some of their friends and then kind of through the military rumor mill like some other people started ended up and including an ex-girlfriend who i really was not happy to see there um (laughs) found out and and she went with her like fiance i think but like the real reason i threw this party was because there was a girl there that i wanted to hook up with and you know so jeremy's theory is right (laughs) (laughs) um But yeah, so Mark is actually like really excited about the party and he's telling Jeremy, you know, oh my gosh, you know, the lasagna is a palpable hit and there are these two guys in the kitchen that are eating lasagna and he says, oh, you know, how do you like the lasagna? And they say, oh, it's great. And Mark is like, I think that's the tuna fish. And like I said earlier, I think tuna fish lasagna sounds gross as hell. Yeah, he uh, he's very proud of it though. And he is, yeah, he's milling around his guests he is giving out champagne like he's Gatsby. And he um, says he ends up saying goodwill to all men like he's Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of A Christmas Carol. And he says to uh, Jeremy that he's having a good time. Actually, he's not, but it's like he is. <laughs> Which is so accurate as to what I've thought about parties. I feel like that was stolen from my actual thoughts. I find that as I get older, my desire to go to parties lessens and lessens. Uh, I've got no desire to go to parties at this point. Like I can get really enthusiastic about a night out at about three o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday, but then when it actually comes to the execution, I'm too tired for that shit. Yeah. Yeah. When it's time to put the pedal to the, or when it's time to put the rubber to the road, you're like, fuck this shit. Mm, yeah. No, I'd, I'd rather put my jammies on and watch some quarry. That's, that's where we are. <laughs> uh that is me and Nicole as well. <laughs> so Mark is having a great time, or it's like he is, but he says the only negative at this point is no Dobby, which I would say is the only positive, but he's still 
he's still worried about Dobby not being there and he's concerned it's it's peaked before Dobby can see the party. Yeah. Um he uh he he says uh that he wants to give her a ring and um let's give her some flavor and Mark just says you know what, like start a message and then be like, oh, stop it, Julio, grab your own cocaine. I've got too much tit in my <laughs> mouth. And Jeremy's just like, exactly. And I yeah. think this idea sounds so terrible, but it is kind of in line with what Jeremy thinks is a good idea this episode. I was going to say, it's definitely the sort of thing Jeremy would do, thinking it would lure someone in. Um, yeah. At this point, Mark realizes that they've got gate crashes because he says that some of Jesse's mates are loving the, the tuna. But then he's like, they're not my mates. And it turns out that they are some fellas who just forced their way in. Yeah, party crashers or gate crashers. And... Yes. Yeah. Um, he says, Jeremy says that it's fine. But Mark says that it's not because if there was no one else there but them and them, them and the party crashers, it'd be a police matter. So they should do something. Um, and he proceeds to turf these guys out of his party, which is just a dick move. He's such a tall yeah yeah he goes all right listen here mate who invited you to this party and one of the gate crashers is like mike and um uh mark just says right mike and then he goes which bottle did you bring can you please identify your bottle yeah um and he obviously can't and he's like look we'll be good we're not causing any trouble and Mark decides he's going to announce to everyone at the party that they're gatecrashers and so no one can speak to them. There is a cordon sanitaire around them and they are not to be spoken to. I also really enjoy the part where Mark says, you know, oh, you're going to come into my house, eat my food, drink my booze and try to have sex with my women. <laughs> and then in his, in his head, he just goes, my women? Like, question mark? <laughs> yeah, he's he's being an absolute fool at this point. Yeah. Um, next scene we have here, so pretty much this, like, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that just kind of happens one right after the other, and the scenes all just kind of meld into each other. Um, um, I was trying to figure out what my notes say, and I realized I left out a very important word. Jeremy is standing in the hallways, and he's kind of staring at Elena, and she's dancing with super hands. Uh, and the rental snake. Uh, Sarah kind of tries to get Jeremy to move out of the way, and Jeremy's just like, you know, I just wanted to say I'm sorry about the way that I behaved. It was basically because I couldn't handle the strength of my feelings. And Sarah's just like, the fuck are you talking about? And he says, I think you're incredible. You're just very alive, very incredible, very sexual being. And... Sarah just kind of blows him off and walks right past him. Yeah, she's got no time for it um, and says, don't touch what you can't afford. Um, <laughs> but Jeremy thinks that this was good because it's 30 or flirt tennis and he's making the effort to flirt with someone that's not Elena. Yeah, I like the way that when he's flirting with Sarah, he's just staring at Elena the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's very obvious what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Big Suze goes to go into the bathroom, but she quickly steps back and she's freaking out and jeremy realizes that someone's taken out point hq uh mark assumes that it must have been one of jeremy's friends and asked him to take care of the situation uh but mark jeremy says why would it be one of my friends what none of your friends poo and uh mark questions who would come to a party and do that yeah uh, i'm glad that we find out the answer to this question later <laughs> yeah 
Um, so Mark takes it upon himself to to, to find out who's taken out Puke Point HQ. Um, meanwhile, the party continues to rage around him. We see Jeremy, and he's back on the, the turntables, and he sees Elena and, and Super Hands, and they're sitting on the couch, and Hands is, like, sitting in a very, like, I don't want to say seductive, but, like, friendly. Like, he's leaned very close to her. Like, their legs are touching. Yeah, he's like, flirting with Elena here. Yeah, like, pretty hard. And, and uh, she's flirting back, to be fair. Yeah, she's, like, touching the snake and everything like that. Um, And I just, I love this scene, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw this whole scene in there. Okay. Look at that. The devil and Eve and a serpent. And if there was an apple, this would be a whole famous thing. I wanted a pet with a bit of edge, you know? Something to keep me on my toes. Every day down at my flat now, me and him. Survival of the fittest. I didn't want to go to full puma. I thought about a tarantula, but really good times, eh? With a snake, your friend, a dangerous friend. You can touch him if you like. I don't know. Go on, stroke him. Stroke my snake. That's it. That's just fucking it. All right, Jez? Yeah, um, just an idea, but would it be okay, mate, if you fucked off before I ram a wine bottle up your cock? All right, mate. Chill out. It's only a phallic symbol, not my actual dong. That's all right, Hans. I just think me and Jez need to talk. This is it. I've got to say it. Look, I just fucking love you. I love you, and I don't want to play it cool anymore because I would eat my own fingers just to look at your face. I will be your dog or your human mannequin. I'll do anything you say. I just want you. You'd be a human mannequin for me. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know what that involves exactly, but... I just thought you'd gone off me. I was trying to play stupid games, but I can't. I just want to fuck your brain into my brain. Oh, wow, I've pulled. I've pulled my own girlfriend. <laughs> Man, I, I just, can... Go ahead, sorry. I just love the way Jeremy says, I'm going to ram a wine bottle up your cock. Just the way he says it is fabulously delivered. And such a great threat. Yeah. Uh, that's one that I'm going to need to put in my uh, little um, uh, little bank of insults. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, this is just a great, just a great scene in general. And when when Superhands is asking her to to stroke the snake, it couldn't be any creepier. I know, I love that. And um, he's just like, it's not, it's not my actual. It's just only, it, it's only a phallic symbol. It's not me actual dong. <laughs> <laughs> but goddamn, Jeremy is so pathetic. Don't you agree? Oh, he's yeah, he's so, so pathetic and. I just don't even know. I'd love to know the psychology of Jeremy. That the first thing that he comes out with is that he wants to eat his own. He could he'd eat his own fingers. Just look at her face, and then says he'd be a dog or a human mannequin. Where's that come from? <laughs> um, I like how she, I like how she says like, "Oh, you'd be a human mannequin for me." And yeah, Jeremy it's not kind it's of not like... weird enough that he says it. She's like she takes that as being a real sign of his love. You'd be a human mannequin for me. Yeah, and then he's like, I don't know what that would entail, but sure, why not? <laughs> but, you know, in kind of a, a kind of a weird way, I can really identify with Jeremy because, I mean, I'm sure we've all had those people in our life who are toxic to be around, but you just want to be around them nonstop and you just feel like you would do fucking anything to be around them. Oh, so, yeah, definitely. I identify far too much with Jeremy here. I definitely, I've never quite told someone I'd be their human mannequin, but not far from it. 
yeah, I mean, I just, I had to say, like, I am so happy that I'm married and I don't have to do this kind of bullshit anymore. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't want to have to ever tell anyone that I'd be their human mannequin again. Yeah. I mean, Nicole knows that I'd be her human mannequin if she needed <laughs> me to. Like, I don't need to tell her. But she's never going to ask you to, and that is, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's the key part of being married. Yeah, yeah. They know you would be their human mannequin, but you're never going to have to be. Yeah. Um, Mark is still investigating, trying to figure out who left the depth charge in the bog. He asks one of the party crashers if they were responsible, but he says, you know, no, I went and used it. Um, but it was after she came out that everything was fucked. And he points at Big Sue's and you see like super hands dancing with Big Sue's again with the rental snake. It's very funny. Yes. He's um, still trying to use the rental snake seductively. Yeah. And Mark is just like, oh my God, I've solved the Da Vinci code. <laughs> yeah. And it's disgusting. That's like the most 2000, that's like the most early 2000s reference ever. ever. Yeah. Did you read the Da Vinci code? Uh, I listened to it on book on CD when I was driving from Colorado Springs to Kansas one time. Uh, yeah, good. Job. I read it while I was commuting on the tube, so similar situation. I enjoyed it actually. I did like it. I wouldn't read it again, but I did enjoy it at the time. Oh my god, my girlfriend at the time was obsessed with Dan Brown, and she read <laughs> Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons. Like any time he put out a book, she was just like, oh. And I never read any of the others, and I never saw the film either. But I heard the film was a bit shit. So, oh, Angels and Demons is really good. Is it okay? Except it has the most unbelievable bit of bullshit that ever happens. Um, he like jumps out of a fucking helicopter, and all he has is like a little like one yard piece of plexiglass, and he like fucking uses it as a parachute, and then he lands in the river in Paris, or not Paris in Rome. And, like, manages to survive this fall. I mean, to be fair, it's all pretty unrealistic, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Um, next, we go to Jeremy's bedroom, where Jeremy and Elena have just finished having sex, and this must have been the fastest sex ever. Yes, Jeremy says they have sex in the Olympic sport, they'd win gold. And in, in keeping with what you've just said about it being quick, they'd certainly win gold for it being the fastest sex. Um. Elena then gets the message from Gail saying that she's on the way, so her and Jeremy are going to have to pretend not to know each other for the rest of the night. And Jeremy initially agrees, but it actually then loses his temper and says, he's sick of this, he's over it now. Gail said her go, but it's his turn to be first in line. She can skulk around with Gail and have an affair, except no, you can't, because I want you all to myself now. Which is super selfish, because he is doing the exact same thing to... Uh, Gail that he doesn't want Elena to do to him. Yeah, exactly. But um, he he says like you know it's an ultimatum now you need to choose, and she says that the spark has gone, and she she only really makes me spelt red like once a month now, and she only really writes me poems that are like five or six lines long. So probably we should break up. And Jeremy's pleased to have won. Yeah, one other line that I really like here is after Jeremy says, wow, if sex was an Olympic event, we'd win gold. Like, Elena so genuine, like, which genuinely says, you're so cute, Jeremy. Sex is never going to be in the Olympics because of China. China wouldn't allow it. <laughs> it's like, it's like China's the only thing between the United the Olympics and the sex games. Yeah, you know? yeah. If it wasn't for China, this would definitely happen. They'd definitely both be gold Olympians. Yeah. Um, but anyways... I, I I don't write poems, 
I this might be a little more your realm than mine. I would imagine like a five to six line poem is like a pretty decently sized poem. No, not Cons really. That's a quite a short poem. I mean, considering, I mean, I couldn't write a five or six line poem just at the drop of a dime. Yeah, you're not in Mensa though, are you? <laughs> Hang on, I've got a poetry book right behind me. I'm going to see what the average length of a poem. Oh no! Jesus the, Christ, are you okay? All the books are falling down. Uh, let's have a look. So... I've just picked up the police, the uh, the poetical works of Oscar Wilde, and the very first poem on the very first page is it's quite a short one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's fourteen lines. It's a sonnet, and that's quite oh. a short one. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, there's a load of sonnets here. Then there's a one, two, three, four. There is a six-verse poem that's got four lines in each verse. Again, quite Jesus. a short one. So I think I think five or six lines is quite short for a poem. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. I just... I got fucking told. <laughs> By Oscar Wilde. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, Jeremy's kind of pumping Elena up, and he's like, she's taking the piss. Yeah. And Elena's like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I should just end it. And Jeremy's like, yes. She's mine. Maybe we'll move to Russia or wherever the hell she's from. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we ever established where she's from, do we? No, I'm. I've just always assumed that like Russia or one of the Eastern Bloc countries. I think isn't the actress from the Ukraine? Yeah, one of those countries. Yeah. Um. Next, we are back in Apollo House, and yeah, the uh, party's still going full swing. Mark just looks at Big Susan. He says, "I know what you did last summer." I know that maybe you think now that you and he have hearted company, but you're no longer responsible for him. Well, in my view, you are your brother's keepers. And Big Suze looks just super confused and says that Mark is drunk and he's speaking gobbledygook and balderdash. Yeah. Um, at this point, Mark realizes that Gerard's a bit too drunk and hopes that when Dobby turns up, her natural compassion doesn't come into play. And then right there, as if on command, Dobby shows up looking very happy to see Mark. Yeah, I wrote in my notes that I think she looks quite good here, but I uh, said that, and then as I was paused it and had it looked at the screen, I was like, those fucking pink barrettes, though. Apart from the Jesus. hair clips, yeah. Um, yeah. Mark's annoyed at this point because the party's peaked, and she says, oh, is it petering out? Like, I was on for a big one. Yeah, and he says, no, it's not petering down, it's petering up. It's reaching maximum peter. Yeah. Um, and then, really... Uh, and then Sarah kind of corners Jeremy, and she tells Jeremy that uh, he's been a naughty boy, but that's okay because he doesn't really like nice boys anyways. And Jeremy kind of blows her off and says he's going to get Gerard a drink. And then we go back to Mark and Dobby, and then Mark sees Ian and Sophie standing in the hallway of the apartment. Yeah, and um, they they've sort of been let in by someone else, and they're kind of surveying the party. Um, and Mark says that, Oh, bloody man's turned up, probably someone from the council. I'm sure that on at least one other occasion, Dobby and Ian have met. And I'm pretty sure, as Sophie's there as well, that she would get the gist of what was going on. But nevertheless, Mark is saying he's a man from the council. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's just trying to be polite and not, you know, meet, rub it in that he's having a baby with another woman. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's trying to be a... Uh actual human here yeah grown-up person yeah yeah um he 
goes to talk to Ian and Sophie, and Sophie's like upset that Mark didn't really invite him to the party, and um, he says that it was a gathering that snowballed into a get together that mutated into a party, and Sophie's just like, sure, whatever, fuck you. Yeah, um, she said she was calling and calling, but her dad's down anyway, so thought that they should get everything sorted out while he was there. And then Sarah appears, pissed up and ready for a fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. she says, all right, let's do the Hucklebuck. And then they all head into Mark's room, and I'm just going to go ahead and play this whole scene here. Because okay. I love this part. Oh, okay, they've showed up, have they? Okay, great, come on, then let's do the Hucklebuck right here, right bloody now. Well, maybe we should just bloody well get a few things sorted out. But, but I'm having a, a party. My party's been pooped. Jeremy. Dobby mustn't see Gerard. He's gone over the edge. Get rid of him. Aye, aye, Captain. Bet Archer never did baby negotiations at his parties. Or very rarely. You two can piss off out of it pronto. Jeff and Yvette from my book group. What kind of mad social chemist have I become? Oh, right. Can't finish atonement because it's too dry, but you've got time to get fingered by Jeff. Very intellectual, Yvette. I hope you saw that depth charger drop down your bog. <laughs> Something to remember me by. <laughs> Oh my god, there's a twist in the tale. Of course, the butler did it. I'm so sorry, Suze. Okay, so the headline is, we're not agreeing to sign a single page of this legal ball sack without visitation rights locked down. Um, th th that might be putting it a bit... What sort of visitation are you looking for, Mark? Saturdays, Sundays and Thursdays. Three days? No, no hold on, I, I was thinking about taking Italian lessons on Thursdays. Great. Now, Thursdays aren't good for him. What days do you want, Mark? I don't know, Easter and Shrove Tuesday? What's he? Salad spinner? Okay, that's not a bad place to keep it. Now, our broader contention is that Sophie's not a fit mother. What the fuck are you talking about? No, sorry, we, we don't mean that. What, what are you doing? It's a bargaining position. We asked for the whole baby. We get Thursdays and Wednesdays. But I don't want Thursdays. I want to parlay Italiano on Thursdays. Sort it out, Mark. Brilliant party. Make mine a childcare and tonic. <laughs> what? Uh, maybe you can answer me this question, and I know that I can Google this. What is Shrove Tuesday? Oh, Pancake Day. <laughs> do you have pancake day yeah the day before ash wednesday when you make pancakes before easter oh i was not aware with that do you not have that so on yeah so is it like six weeks before easter it's the period of lent on the tuesday before ash wednesday that traditionally you use up all the good stuff in in your cupboards to make pancakes like all the fat and stuff and all the butter and then for the period of Lent, you don't eat anything nice because it's Lent. I have never engaged in Shrove Tuesday before. Oh, that's weird. I thought it was a, I thought it was an international Christian thing as opposed to a British thing. Let's have a look. Shrove. No, I mean I'm sure it probably is, but I am not a. Uh... Well, neither am I though. It's not like yeah. it's not like I'm a Christian. Um... I have cousins that I bet if I ask if they know what Shrove Tuesday is, would be like, yep, I know exactly what that is. Oh, okay, no, it's a British thing. Oh, it's a British thing? It's a British thing on a Commonwealth thing. Oh, so when you actually Googled, like, do we have Shrove Tuesday in America? It just I've just no. gone on the Wikipedia page for Shrove Tuesday. Oh, yeah. that's good to know. Uh, it translates as fat eating or gorging day, the last period oh. before Lent when you can eat what you like, basically. Nice. Um, there you go. Yeah, so what, Mark's willing to have the baby once a year on Shrove Tuesday. Yeah, so that's very selfish of him. <laughs> very selfish. Yeah, I didn't realize how uh, I didn't realize how selfish that was. But he's saying he basically only wants the baby two days out of the year, 
and Sophie can handle the other 363. Yes. Um, I also enjoy when he says that he doesn't know if he can have the baby on Thursdays because he wants to parlo Italiano on Thursdays. Yeah, and then Ian is just like, hmm, can't have the baby on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Thursdays aren't good for him suddenly. Ian's yeah. so brilliantly scathing here. Yeah. Um, Mark is then kind of worried about the snake and the salad spinner because he doesn't want the World Wild Fund for nature <laughs> coming after him. And I gotta be honest, and I don't want to go into this too much, but I dislike the World Wildlife Fund. They can fuck off. <laughs> Have you had a bad experience with them? Did you adopt a gorilla or no. something and they didn't ever send no. you updates? Or... No. They sued the actual WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, over the logo, or over the initials WWF. Oh, okay. Even though, even though the World Wrestling Federation had been around since, like, the 1940s, their whole basis for their lawsuit was that people might get confused over which WWF you're talking about. And I gotta be honest, if I talk about fucking pandas, I know which <laughs> WWF I'm talking about. So Yeah, I mean... It's Fuck not those guys. They're probably not a great crossover of the kind of people that are going to be, or the kind of occasions on which you're going to be talking about both things. So, I know. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, dickheads. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so Jeremy is gleefully watching Elena and Gail talking. Gail is crying and Jeremy is eating it up. Um Back in Mark's bedroom, Mark and Sarah are still talking to Ian, and Ian offers a... Uh, at this point, Sophie's kind of stormed out of the room. Um, Ian offers Mark a job making 40K, and he will have them live in Nana's cottage with his wife and child. You know, he says that Sophie still kind of likes Mark, and Mark is kind of interested in this idea. Do you think this idea, on a scale of 1 to 10, is horrible or, like, decent idea? Personally, I don't think I would do it, but then knowing the kind of personality that Mark has and having known people that have done similar things in my own life, I would say this not is not out of the realms of possibility that Mark would do this. I think it is more, in my opinion, it is more likely that Mark would take this offer up than he would not, I think. Yeah. Um, one thing I really like is how Sarah negotiates for a 50k salary and an extension onto Nana's cottage <laughs> instead. Yeah, she's such a good lawyer that she manages before Mark's even agreed to it. Um, she manages to uh, to to get an extension on this. Um, but before Mark can kind of respond as to whether or not he's interested, he hears uh, Dobby and Dobby exclaiming that Gerard is, you know, not well. Yeah, she's like, fucking hell, are you all right? And Gerard is laying in the closet and he says, oh, you know, Jeremy put me there for a lie down. <laughs> yeah, and Dobby insists on taking Gerard home in a cab. But Mark thinks that's stupid because they live in opposite directions. She lives in Catford, he lives in Ballum, and says that they're going to need two cabs. Uh, but Gerard is obviously, even in his drunk state, has seen an inn here. Yeah, he's such a fucking snake where he's like, oh, but the minicab driver and Mark is just like, <laughs> Dobby's not about to get raped, but he says it very, like, snidely, which I wasn't really, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, he's just a snake in the grass. Um, yeah. Um, but then all attention is taken away from this situation by something going on in the living room where we find that there's cheering and we find that Gail has proposed to Elena with a hetero ring. I love that. Big Jeremy looks at Big Susan. and he's like, what's going on? And Big Sue says... Oh, Gail's proposed to Jeremy, and she even has a proper hetero <laughs> ring and everything. And 
Jeremy just is like, oh, this is going to be great when Elena shoots her down. But instead, Elena says yes. Yes, and Jeremy is confused, as you would be. And I was confused, too, because I was like, hey, you know, let's see what the state of gay marriage was in the United States and in the UK in 2009. And I was fucking shocked when I looked at how many states allowed gay marriage only nine years ago. Nine years ago, there was only five states in the United States that had legal gay marriage, and that was Iowa, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Delaware. And, like, four of those, I was really like, okay, that makes sense. But, like, Iowa is a very conservative state, so I was a little shocked that they had gay marriage there. But apparently it was a flaw in their constitution, and then in the next year, the citizens voted a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. But Uh, then I started... But then I started thinking, like, okay, well, this isn't the United States. This is England. Like, what was going on in the United Kingdom in 2009 as far as gay marriage goes? And gay yeah, marriage... we didn't have gay marriage then either. Yeah, it still wasn't legal. According to Wikipedia, There, it was civil partnerships. And there was a very funny line in the Wikipedia article that said the government was very clear that these were not and like not as underlined marriages <laughs> yeah it was um so since 2005 we've had civil partnerships but it wasn't until 2014 i believe that there was the definition of marriage as being between a man and a woman was changed and therefore it is now legal for there to be marriage between two people with the same sex what is the state of play in america is it legal everywhere now yeah, um, as of 2016, 15, 16, I don't remember exactly when, um, there was a Supreme Court case that um, basically said, like, yeah, these um, anti-gay marriage bans are against the Constitution. You know, it's really interesting because my wife and I, we have two friends, very dear friends that are lesbians, and they were married in a state they lived in Vermont. So they lived in one of the States where you could get married. And it was interesting because they moved around for a while. And in some States their marriage was recognized and in other States it wasn't. So it was like, it was really weird when we were talking to them about that. And I was like, Holy shit. I never even, you know, thought about that before. No, that's got massive legal ramifications that you don't even consider. That's really odd. Yeah. I am. I know that the so when I got married, the there's some there was something in the vows where the definition was like marriage is defined as the union of a man and a woman under the like jurisdiction of the state or whatever. And that obviously that line's now been taken out, but it was a relatively short time ago. So it's surprising how much has changed in such a short space of time. Oh, it was mind blowing to me when I looked at the map of the United States and I realized that only five states had legal gay marriage in 2009 like that's mind-blowing to me mm, crazy but yeah they they elena and gail could have had a civil partnership so we would assume that that is what gail is proposing yeah um jeremy walks over to the happy couple and he's like pretending to be happy gail says that she's so happy and she says elena's the best thing in my life and i thought she was slipping away um she says um, you can't know how bad that felt, and Jeremy is just like, uh And then Gail's like, hey, champagne, and walks off to get champagne, and Jeremy just looks at Elena, and he just says, what the fuck? 
<laughs> yeah, and she's just like, whoops. And he's like, whoops. And she just says, you know, it's it was just really romantic and what was she meant to do, basically. Yeah. Uh, he thinks that Elena is, is so su suggestible, like a sexy robot anyone can hack into and program. At this point, Gail comes back and gives Elena a kiss and Jeremy just thinks to himself... There it goes, lesbian kiss, no one ever minds. Where have all the homophobes gone when you need them? God, people are so fickle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark is moping around now because Dobby and Gerard have left. And Superhands is looking for his snake because it has gone missing and he is concerned he's not going to get his deposit back. Yep, and then Mark is like, oh, great, a uh, snake loose in the apartment. We're going to have to get a mongoose to catch the snake. Yes, uh, he says we won't only have to flat share with Jeremy now, he's got a flat share with a snake. Yep, and uh, Superhands tells Mark that if the mongoose eats the snake, he will sue Mark. <laughs> yeah, um, Mark realises at this point that he's really unhappy and he's not had a great time at this party. Uh, so he's going to take a bong hit for the first time ever. Jeremy gets excited because he wants Mark to become a pothead so that he can start buying the stash. Um, typical Jeremy. Typical Jeremy. And Mark uh, surprises Jeremy by knowing how to use the bong. <laughs> I love this where he's like, light here and hail here. And Jeremy just looks at him and he's like, somebody's been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark takes a really deep hit of the, of the bong and immediately is stoned and realizes that he doesn't want Sophie. He doesn't want the cottage or the dog. He wants Dobby. So he chases after her as she's about to walk out of the door. And tells her that he's feeling fantastic. And then immediately he's feeling terrible and he throws up. Yeah, I love this where he says like, Dobby, don't go. Stay here. Marry me. And Dobby just is like, what? And Mark just says, marry me. And he goes, I feel fan. And then before he can even finish, he says terrible. <laughs> and then he runs into the bathroom and he goes, oh God, it's still there. And... um Jeremy just starts pointing to a trash can in the hallway and Jeremy is yelling puke point three, puke point three. Mark picks up the trash can, yells snake, pukes all over the snake, and then Hans is like, mm, good job. Now you're going to have to get that snake dry cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark thinks, great, Dobby gets Gerard and I get a bucket of pukey snake. Do you think this is one of the more slapstick scenes in Peep Show history? Yeah, definitely. It's a bit silly, isn't it? But it's very funny. Yeah, oh my god, I love that when he's just like, oh my god, it's still there. And he picks up the trash can, snake! <laughs> um, at this point, Jeremy walks into his bedroom, and he's like very dejective, and he's thinking like, love is all you need. No, actually, Beatles. Or, no, actually, Beatles, you need a person to do it with Beatles. And then, as if on command, Sarah is in the bed, and she's looking at Jeremy, and she's just like, hello, Jeremy. Yeah, she's waiting for him, and he says, oh, brilliant, second lay of the night, worst party ever. <laughs> and flagpole sitter. And yeah. that's it. That's yeah. the end of that episode. I really enjoyed that episode still. Yeah, it was very funny. Um, would you like to hazard a guess as to where it was on my list? I, I still agree with myself. I checked to see if I still agreed with myself, and I do. All right, that's good. Um, I'm going to have you already done number 17? No. Okay, I'm going to go 17. 
Uh, no, but you're not far off. It is number 20. Oh, close. Close, yeah. Uh, yes, number 20. And I, yeah, I think it's in the top third of episodes. It's a good one. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's funny. You get just enough super hands that he's in there and it's awesome. Um, you know, you have a, the funny stuff with uh, Sarah, like, going from telling Jeremy that he's a piece of shit to wanting to sleep with him. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in this episode. I really enjoy it. The only thing I thought that was missing, and I'm not a particular fan, is Johnson. I think there's room for some Johnson in this party. Oh my god, yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's what I really want now. Yeah, that would have been great, but, you know, him and Suze haven't been getting along, so... Yeah. Um. Yeah, so... Yeah, that was a good episode. I thought the guest list was really weird, like, where they have Jeff. Like, why did he invite Jeff? You know, That's a good point, actually. He does make a point, doesn't he, that he's a weird social chemist, which is, is true. He has made a weird social chemistry set here. Yeah. Yes, it does. It does indeed. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've got one more episode in Series 6. The One of my bottom ish episodes das boot um like i say it made me laugh a lot more than i remembered when i watched it this afternoon so hopefully you'll find some something to love in there yes maybe it'll go from my one of my bottom tier episodes to one of my upper middle parts Mm, yeah middle middling yeah um so what did you think of uh this country, the birthday episode and the finale. I haven't gotten to watch all the finale yet, but I did watch the birthday episode. Um, so the birthday episode was, well, they both actually really tugged at heartstrings. I think I was a bit gutted that I was so ill when I watched them both because they were, it's, it's sort of marred my experience. I need to go back and watch them not unwell. But um, the birthday episode was, was very funny. Um, and then the, the final episode was heartbreaking and makes me wonder where they're going to go in series three. I hope that it won't be Kerry going to prison in series three. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. As I have not finished that episode yet, I wasn't, uh, um, man. So that's a, that's a thing is that, uh, Kerry might be going to prison. That's like the cliffhanger is that? Yeah. At the end of the episode. Oh shit. I gotta be honest. I fucking loved Curtin's job. Oh, Curtin's job was brilliant. He was so good at the job and so good at dealing with the old men in the bowls club. I really enjoyed that. Oh my god, I love that part where uh, Len and the dude were fighting over the window seat. And he's like, <laughs> and he just comes over and like just completely diffuses the situation. I'm really excited to hear now what the WTAF guys think about it because they've not, they've waited, haven't they, until they've all six have been aired in order to talk about them. So I'm really interested now as to what, um, what they're going to say about them and what order they're going to put them in. What um what was your favorite episode of the series? Oh, uh, goddamn, that is a toughie. <laughs> oh, the like the first three were all so goddamn good. I'd have to say, I think my favorite was the one where Curtin was working with Martin. Yeah, that was my favorite one as well. Definitely, they were like you say, the first three were very good, and I really enjoyed the one where the vicar was. It turned out vicar had been a pop star in his youth. Yeah, but um, and that was yeah. a close second for me. But the one where the one where Curtin was working with Martin on the building site was just not a single moment was wasted. 
Oh my god, that one was so goddamn funny, just from start to finish. I loved it. Yeah, it was brilliant. I need to go back now and watch all six of them, like one after the other, and kind of decide what which ones I think. I'm pretty sure I'll still agree that that one was the best one, but to kind of decide on on which ones were the what order I'd put them in. Yeah, my cousins were moaning about not having access to iPlayer while they were over in the United States, and I was like, I can totally, I can totally empathize with you. <laughs> Have you been watching anything else these last couple of weeks? Um, oh, yes, I did. Uh, this one might interest you. I was watching Inbetweeners. Oh, what did you think? How far have you gotten? What did you think of it? Okay, so I've watched the first... Alright, so I know I watched the first season, and I think I'm halfway through the second season, and it is really funny, but my god, I was not expecting that level of raunchiness. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's a bit dirty, the Inbetweeners, it has got some some filthy moments. I always think the Inbetweeners works as a bit of a companion piece to Peep Show, because I always feel like Will is what Mark would have been at school. Oh yeah, I I love the first episode when Will was walking around with the new student sticker and people are calling him like briefcase wanker and stuff like that. I still think though that the best thing in the in between us is Mr. Gilbert. I can't. There's not a single scene that Mr. Gilbert's not in that doesn't just just make me laugh so much. It, however many times I've seen it. I think right now my favorite episode is the one where Jay gets his driver, or not Jay, Simon gets his driver's license and he's got like the shitty car. Oh, and they go to Thorpe Park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a great episode where they, uh, yeah, with the shitty car, they get stuck behind the funeral. Yeah. I definitely enjoy Jay. Like, Jay is probably one of my favorite characters, but yeah, he Jay is so, like, I was not just expecting that level of raunch. No, it, is, it has got some really raunchy moments. Um I, I hope that you continue to enjoy it. And I hope that you enjoy the films as much as particularly the first film, which is very, very, very funny and stands yeah. up to a rewatch as well. It's one of those films that we've seen so many times and we laugh, always laugh. Yeah, I totally plan on watching it. I, I can't wait. I'm really excited. That was the first thing we saw after our oldest daughter was born. She was three weeks old and we left her with my parents so we could go and see that. And I was breastfeeding, so I only had like two hours and we, I remember us rushing out to go and see the Inbetweeners film and then had to get back in time for me to feed her. And um, and just, it was so funny. It was it was a good thing to be my first time out after having the baby. My um, my cousin Bethany, her husband Kieran, like really loves Inbetweeners. So he was kind of giving me a little shit over the weekend, last or two weekends ago about watching Inbetweeners. So I decided to give it a go. But man, it, it's a really funny show. Like, it's I was I'm surprised at how much I like it. We um we've seen Greg Davis who plays Mr. Gilbert uh do stand up a couple of times now and he's well worth seeing. If you ever get the opportunity to see him do stand up or if you ever if you can watch his stand up, he did a brilliant stand up a few years ago called Firing Cheese Balls at a Dog, which is about his life. He used to be a teacher and about his transition from teaching to comedy and he's so fucking funny and I saw him I saw him live in where do we see him in Birmingham when I was pregnant with my oldest daughter and I was so sick and I remember just sitting there laughing and then having to leave to be sick and I could still hear from the hear him from the <laughs> toilets and I was laughing while I was being sick. Oh, it was so good, but yeah, it's the in between us is brilliant and um and one of those things that I don't think was overdone. I think it was just done enough and I think they knew when to quit and they knew 
they couldn't kind of leech any more out of it. And it's the three series of the like 18 perfect yeah. episodes exists yeah. and they, you know, epi- yeah. 18 episodes, two movies fucking done. Yeah. Yeah. They knew, they knew to quit while they were ahead because obviously the guys are similar age to me. So they were kind of playing 21 when they were in their thirties. And I can see that that is, you know, you don't want to milk that any further. No, the thing that really shocks me about that show was like the drinking laws in your country where they're, I love the one where they're at the bar and, um, they're trying to get the logger and Will convinces the dude to let him get <laughs> cider, but only if they get the carvery yeah. and they have an adult sitting with them. Yeah. The drink actually drinking laws in this country are a bit odd when you think about it. And when you think particularly, probably not so much now, but at that time in, when the in us was set and when I was younger, I, I never got ID. I've been ID'd more since I was over the age of 21 than I ever was before. And I think Can I, I be dr- honest with you. Yeah because you're a woman yeah no it definitely i was gonna say i think even simon says that at one point in the between us which is if she's got tits she'll get served which is is definitely true but i was drinking in pubs from the time i was 14 and looking back i would not be happy about my 14 year old daughter drinking in a pub (laughs) and smoking Uh, in a pub as well like yeah it was just yeah it was really bad and i think the things have changed now i think the laws are tighter yeah all right. Well, I am. Anything else? Like you've been watching anything else? Oh, I did just want to mention actually that, um, and this is something that I don't think I've spoken to you about because it was just before we met. Um, but last year there was a show. Uh, Peter Kay, who is a big comedian over here, I don't know if he is someone you've heard of, but he wrote a sitcom about uh, car share. It was called Car Share about two people on their way to work who were forced into a car share. And it became a massive deal. There was a first series about three years ago. It became a massive deal. He did a second series last year and said he was ending it there. And it was, the ending was harrowing. Like, just, it was a comedy, but the ending was just dreadful, like heartbreaking. And due to public outcry, he said he'd write a final one to kind of finish off the story. And it's not been aired here yet, but he did a charity screening of it in Manchester over the weekend and apparently it's been embargoed they can't say what happened but apparently it's fabulous and it's going to be aired here in May so next month and I'm absolutely pumped for it I'm so excited so I'm really looking forward to that and I think that would be well worth your time if you are if you're not too uh disposed with the in-betweeners it would be worth looking up car share because I think you would enjoy it is it on iPlayer it is a BBC show, so I don't know if... I'm not sure if it's on iPlayer now because it's not been on for a while, but it'll be somewhere. I'll be able to hit you up. Okay. Let me... Hold on. I'm consulting iPlayer real quick. Car share. Peter... Oh, Peter K's car share not available. Fuck. Oh, well. I'll find it. I, it it's, it'll it's, be around somewhere. But again, it's not. there's not very many of them. I think there's only actually maybe even only 10 episodes of it. So it's not going to take you very long to get through. But I think the payoff for the final episode next month is going to be worth it. So it may be. And also, if you like it, it may be a way into some of Peter Kay's other stuff, which you may also find funny. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I, mm. I've heard the name Peter Kay. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, I found I found Car Share. I'm not going to mention how I found it or where I found it, but... But you found it, yeah. 
it's been acquired. Yeah. Please don't come after me, BBC. <laughs> I want to watch your. I want to watch your shit legally. Like, please, BBC, give me a way to find watch a your find shit a legally. way. Yeah, they're, they're giving you no choice but to be illegal. That's hey, that's hey, it's not illegal. It's it's not available in the United States, <laughs> so it's perfectly legal. It's just frowned upon. It's just frowned upon. <laughs> Anyways, this episode's getting a little long in the tooth, so... Yes. Uh, and you've got to get to WrestleMania, so... Yeah, uh, I'm so excited for WrestleMania. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could talk to you about it, but, like, I know you don't care. So... <laughs> okay. Oh, oh come. But, yes, uh, yeah, WrestleMania's gonna be great. I wish you watched it. And this is the El Dude Brothers signing off. And... Eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Bye. Uh. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,